For KOSU, I'm Michael Cross, and it's time for This Week in Oklahoma Politics, along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and ACLU Oklahoma Executive Director Ryan Kiesel. They're both joining me by phone. Are you folks, are you guys doing okay? <laughs> doing fine. Yeah, yeah, as well as anybody can, <laughs> and, you know, really fortunate, to, as hard as it is, that, you know, we're, I think both of us are, are pretty privileged and uh, and our, our safety and security right now. And exactly. you know, a huge thanks to all the folks out there that are kind of on the front lines working on this that don't have the, the privilege of being able to stay at home right now. The state legislature makes changes to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. Senate Bill 661, now signed by the governor, alters the Open Meetings Act to allow for public bodies to teleconference into meetings rather than requiring in-person quorums. The temporary measure is only applicable to November 15th or the end of Oklahoma statewide emergency designation, whichever comes first. Ryan, your thoughts on this measure? Well, I mean, first, let's start with the process, because process is important, uh, especially at times like this. I mean, we're, we're in an emergency footing as a state and as a nation, and, and you know, I think to a larger extent globally <clears throat> right now as we uh, try to address the COVID-19 pandemic that we're, uh, that we're dealing with. process on this was that, you know, the legislature needed to do something. Public bodies needed to continue to be able to function, uh, especially to be able to undertake some of the emergency requirements that they're dealing with uh, at the local level, municipal and county level in particular. So they needed to do something to change the Open Meetings Act uh, to comply with things like social distancing and not having people, a lot of people coming into public buildings. Um, and so the Senate acted quickly on Tuesday morning. They, they took a, a bill, they gutted it, they had a floor substitute, and they passed it. Now, the, the problem is, is that they passed this bill that fundamentally alters the, the way that government functions in the state of Oklahoma um, in a very short period of time. They did it after the Senate had already closed itself to the public. So there are only a handful of media there watching. And thank goodness that they're, they're media watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Trace Savage, Aaron Brillbeck, others that were there watching this. I'm reporting what was happening because it passed out of the Senate 40 to nothing without really any substantive questioning whatsoever. That original bill had some big problems in it. It could have uh, unintentionally required any sort of notice requirements. Uh, I think that it also extended it out all the way to March of 2021 uh, as the expiration date. That was the original bill, that the the House bill that the Senate passed. And it goes over to the House. The House takes another bill takes that language from the Senate, plugs it in there, and tries to make some fixes to it. It's, it's not perfect, but, you know, we have a bunch of well-intentioned legislators right now that are operating uh, in uncharted waters. And I think that this, you know, the, the bill that ultimately got to the governor was a better bill than what started out in the Senate. But I think it really speaks to the need that the legislature should limit its uh, legislative obligations right now or legislative actions to a very narrow set of bills because, you know, we, we don't want any unforced errors right here, right, right now, and we need to you know, all hands on deck at this moment. Aniva. And, and I agree with you, Ryan. I think that we are in such uncharted waters, and I think that the necessity to make the, the changes that came about with this bill, and as everyone, I think, uh, agreed, it was a reasonable compromise. It's certainly, yeah. as you described it, not a perfect bill, but a necessary bill, given what we are uh, given what we're facing in this daily change, sea change of what's going on um, and what has to continue in, in terms of 
what needs to take place through the legislative process and allow not only at the legislature but school boards, city councils, other public bodies to be able to do this. Uh, and I think the measures they did put in place, uh, the fact that any any entity that takes advantage of this bill has to record the meetings by written or elect- electronic means, doing doing things that provide for some measure of public participation. I mean, I I believe that given given where they were and how quickly um, all of the all of the parties were able to come together, uh, reach something that uh, addressed all of kind of the major sticking points, as you said. I think one of those was that the measure would sunset on November 15th or when the state of emergency is lifted by the governor was was certainly one of the significant points. But we'll we'll see, I think, um, all of these uh, all of these boards and and elected bodies and commissions and the legislature i think they will be very judicious in how mm-hmm. they approach this and not move to um, you know to use it uh, in any measure other than when absolutely necessary ryan just real quickly do you think that maybe the the, the state government should mostly just focus on just getting a budget passed and kind of forget some of these other bills that uh, and they, I know they're, they're important to the lawmakers, but maybe right yeah. now is the time to focus just on getting the job done. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the work of the legislature right now should be, uh, you know, there, there are going to be some bills necessary, like this Open Meetings Act, um, that are necessary to deal with the emergency at hand. Uh, we may not even know what all of those are until they're right up on us. I mean, there, there may be circumstances that, you know, throughout this, you know, fast-changing, ever-evolving situation, uh, that the legislature has to act on quickly, um, and then of course the budget. Uh, so those those are the those are the two areas where I think the legislature should focus all of its attention. I think that the legislature, and we've seen some assurances from this uh, from House leadership and both parties. We've seen uh, some assurances as well from from the Senate. Even I think you know less is less clear from the Senate, but definitely from the House that the focus of the work during this during this crisis, during this moment, will be on emergency yeah. measures and on the budget. And um, even, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of solidarity out there right now. I think it would be squandered if they used that for, for partisan reasons. I don't see any uh, intent of that right now. I think the lawmakers are, are well-intentioned. Um, but you know, we got to remember, you know, Winston Churchill said, you know, uh, you know, never, I think it was Winston Churchill, never let a, a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> and, uh, you, so you got to be careful. We got we we still have to watch folks. Government, even in an emergency situation, or especially in an emergency situation, doesn't get to operate without restraint. And the same thing. Do you think that maybe they should focus less on you know the bills and maybe just really trying to get the budget, get these emergency situations done before they? worry about anything else? Absolutely, and I think that will be, I mean, from all indications, just like Ryan was uh, mentioning, I think lawmakers understand the, 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 the new reality of what they're dealing with, and I think that the budget obviously has to be the priority. Many of the policy bills, I think, will fall by the board. Uh, there are a few, uh, for instance, uh, even uh, uh, the bill that would uh, uh, allow for the current um, interim person in the department of um, the department of health uh, that position uh, some of those that need uh, statute changes or other changes in some of the things that have been kind of moving through the legislative process some of those may well be addressed and and may be ones that there's great 
consensus on for the most part. But bottom line is, I don't think anyone's interested in taking on political fights or dealing with things that are not, uh, you know, uh, enormously significant in the in in the current in the current uh, setting mm-hmm. and move forward through this process as 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 well as possible. And it is it, it is so constantly changing. And obviously, as we can talk about almost. Uh, uh, as long as we want to, the fact that the impact now of all that's going on on our own budget and the process, I mean, we, we may well, as many of the legislative leaders are saying, be okay getting through the process right now, getting ready for a budget that will start the new budget July 1 fiscal year. But looking forward, I mean, there are a lot of things that, uh, that certainly are going to be on the horizon that are going to have huge impact on the state of Oklahoma and the budget. Budget in in the in the months and years to come. Well, let, let's jump to that then, because uh, I do, do do know that of course concerns are rising among lawmakers of, of possible shortfall in the government. Uh, we touched on this last week uh, in regard to a drop in oil, but now businesses are mostly coming to a halt and tribes shuttering casinos amid concerns over COVID nineteen. Neva, how bad could this get? Well, I mean, it obviously, I mean, it's obviously going to, it is bad and and could get worse without, uh, I think, without much argument. Uh, Whether there's a revenue failure, uh, whether, I mean, whether we uh, have to uh, have to look at some uh, some serious issues on the budget in terms of how much we tap into the the uh, the rainy day fund to the to the revenue stabilization funds. I mean, thankfully, we do have these monies that are available for times such as this. And I think um, when we're looking at uh, the fact that we're running on a, a budget that was based on 20, uh, uh, that's twenty dollars a barrel lower than what you know than what the budget was based on. I mean, those are those are major factors that uh, that these lawmakers and particularly these appropriation chairs and the House and Senate leadership and the governor are going to have to uh, are going to have to take a serious look at. But in the short term, I think um, the the forecast is that uh, it, it basically continues to be uh, basically a, a proposition where we can get through the sh- the very short term. I think what we're looking at is in the next fiscal year and beyond what the ramifications are. Ryan, yeah, and I think that I think that it's difficult for lawmakers. It'll be difficult for lawmakers even before the end of May to pass a balanced budget <clears throat> that fully takes into account the entire picture. Of, of where our revenue is at, we just we just won't know by the end of May. Um, I think that all uh, most economists agree that right now it's not a matter of if a recession will happen; it's the fact that we are in a recession. Uh, the uh, the revenue numbers that you know, Neva's talking about, oil bent down, but we're also dealing with income taxes that are probably going to be that are going to income tax revenue collections are going to plummet as well. Um, we have a lot of small businesses, small and medium sized businesses that are trying to figure out if they're going to be able to open their doors again at the end of this. And on top of that, you have all of their employees, uh, service workers, restaurant workers, uh, bar uh, people that work in bars. The, you know, there, there are a lot of folks right now that both at the state level, uh, they're going to need some support and assistance. We're going to need, but that's going to be the kind of assistance that we're going to need for our economy is going to go well beyond what the state itself can deliver. It's going to require federal response. Uh, we're already seeing some of that uh, with, with what the House and the Senate 
passed uh, and what the, what the president signed, but it's going to take a lot more. Um, possibly, you know, uh, we'll probably see individual checks uh, going to individuals to try to stimulate the economy. Uh, my, my sense is that it's going to take a lot more than that. But right now we, we still have people that are trying to choose between public health and paying their bills. And, you know, to the extent that our economy uh, can handle it, it needs to shut down as much as possible. But that means that the government's got to be there to help uh, rescue a lot of these small businesses and their employees on the back end. Uh, and that's that's going to be a really tall effort. Uh, and and I, I'm not I'm not sure how long that's going to take. And at, at the state level, my, my I suspect that the, the legislature will probably pass some sort of a continuing budget. Uh, and then have to come back and do an extraordinary session, at least one before the end of this year, to begin to make difficult decisions about cuts. One last thing about any sort of economic stimulus package from the federal government. Back in 2008, one of the most important parts of the bailout package was to bail out state budgets. You know, the yeah. stimulus package gave state governments a ton of money to help stabilize their budgets. Um, I'm hoping that anything that the federal government's doing right now is contemplating those those budget stabilization efforts that we saw in 2000 after the 2008 crisis uh, to go into the state state budgets as well. Oh, the State Board of Education orders all public schools to close until at least April 6th in response to the coronavirus pandemic. This suspends all instructional services, including grading, extracurricular activities for students and staff development, as well as trainings or conferences. Neva, do you think this is going to go even longer? Well, I think there's every possibility that that will be the case. I mean, we're already seeing universities uh, making the decision this week that uh, for the remainder of, of this semester that it will be all online. Uh, we're seeing uh, we're we're seeing these things again change daily. But I think I think that uh, with the respect to uh, public schools in Oklahoma, I think the fact that uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister said that nothing takes precedent over the precedence over the health and well-being of our people, nothing, I think, was the message. And while it was, these are difficult decisions to make, they are necessary decisions. And, and again, we are in the, same, uh, uh, we're in the same situation largely that the rest of the nation is. Uh, earlier this week, I think the number was uh, hovering around 70, 75 percent of all schools in America were shut down. That number percentage uh, expected to continue to, to go higher. So we're we're in a situation that is uh, is certainly not a quick uh, is not going to be a quick calendar resolution. This is something that's going to be ongoing, I think, for some time until we get uh, uh, until this pen uh, the the entire health concern um, is uh, brought to some level of control. Right now, I mean, we're nowhere near that. If you listen daily to all of the experts and what they're and what they're telling folks, not only at the federal level but here at the state and and local level, so um, the uncharted waters probably the best description that we keep, I uh, think, uh, throwing out there because it is something that we just have to we have to move through but we've done it before i mean uh we've done it before just in the in the instances that were described a moment ago as well as horrific incidents like 9/11 things that impact and totally you know totally disrupt life in america as we know it um that's where we are today and we will we will just have to see how this moves forward but i think i think our um, our leaders at every level this is this is a moment in time when they can really show uh, they can really show the leadership that is uh, required and that 
those that elect them uh, look for uh, at times like this so that there can be the stability and there can be the uh, uh, notion that that we have a calm, you know, we have a calm, thoughtful process going through this, you know, unbelievable, um, unbelievable world that we're living in right now. So I think that in the instance of the schools, I think they've taken the, the, the proper measures. I think dealing with the issues of being able to still uh, get the uh, uh, food to uh, children as necessary and the mechanisms they put in place, the waivers they've gotten uh, to be able to do that from the, the federal level to have these grab-and-go meals and these other, these other things in place are also important factors uh, that uh, all fall under the larger umbrella of uh, educating uh, children in the state of Oklahoma. Ryan. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree uh, more with me, but I, we, we don't know. I think that it's, it's unlikely that, uh, I think it's, I think it's probably more likely than not that we end up with school close to the remainder of this year uh, or of this school year uh, through, through the end of May. And, you know, probably, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the fall. I mean, I, I, I think that it's just too early to tell. We're <clears throat> in Oklahoma, we're, we're able to watch at least on the, on the coast to some extent uh, and, and especially what's happening in New York uh, that's probably where we're headed uh, with uh, with exponentially more number of cases uh, um, uh, that are confirmed each day. It's difficult to know how many cases there are out there because we we don't have as many tests as, as we need and, and the, 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 the woeful lack of testing that we have seen uh, both in state and around the nation right now makes it really difficult to understand how far and wide community spread has been. And uh, schools are right to uh, to contribute to the public health uh, concerns right now by saying, or not concerns, but public health uh, protocols right now to comply with that by saying, you know, we, we can't have schools. It's just simply, you know, not safe. And if we're gonna if we're gonna contribute to the public health campaign of slowing the spread, one of the best things that we can do is shut our schools down. I know. Uh, and it's incredibly hard on parents uh it's, it's it's hard on the students it's hard on the educators themselves um but uh you know i i just want to join neva in saying kudos to to those educators uh and the leaders in education that are making sure that critical services like like food uh are still out there for the families and the students that need it right that's one of the problems right now is the fact that a lot of our children get their food from the school yeah. and and uh, you know now the schools are stepping up i just it, your thoughts on the fact that schools and the, i think the food the regional food bank are all stepping up to still do their backpack program to make sure that these kids are taken care of yeah, oh absolutely I mean, I those... and i and i think that's where uh, I think that's where the uh, the folks at the State Department of Ed have been very aggressive in seeking the federal approval that they need for these waivers so that they can expand the availability of, of these meals to more children, and that's going to become even more critical as the days pass. Uh, and as Ryan said, if the, if the prospects are that uh, school does not resume in any fashion back in, in, uh, in, in the classrooms through the end of uh, this year in May, then uh, this is something that that has to be has to be addressed. And I think that the fact that they have been very aggressive, very assertive in in moving quickly to to deal with these issues and not let them linger, we have to I think across the board applaud applaud these folks for the efforts that they're making and the 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 extra time and um, thought that's going into trying to deal with situations that 
again, are something that we've never never seen before like this. Yeah. Well, and, and with the inability to put our finger on the pulse of what's going to happen 48 hours from now, yeah. um, you know, we, we need to be planning uh, for worst-case scenarios. And uh, I think that that's you know, overreacting right now will be forgiven. Uh, you know, o- overreacting, um, or at least you know, thinking about situations in which we're going to, you know, and overreacting is 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 really, you know, our the footing that we should be on. That doesn't mean that every thing that we think of uh, in in that overreaction scenario is something that we should act on. But we should put those things on the table, and um, you know, making sure that we're able to deliver critical services, especially to vulnerable populations, and that includes you know many many of our school children and their families. You know, that's. Uh, that's that's really first and foremost the priority here, and as hard as it's going to be to delay instruction, um, that's that's a, that's a, a secondary concern at the moment. And I think I think it's important when we think about the fact that Oklahomans have always stepped up in times like this. I mean, yeah. uh, whether it's a disaster, a tornado disaster, whatever it has been, uh, uh, Oklahomans have rallied, come together. Uh, pooled resources, done what is necessary. And I think we're already, again, seeing the public and private sector uh, merging in, in part of this thought process of how people can be helpful and, and how they can do it in a, in a manner that doesn't exacerbate already a very difficult situation from the health concern aspect, but something that gets those necessary uh, services uh, uh, taken care of in the most efficient way possible. Yeah, Neva, the, the hard part for us as Oklahomans is now learning how to do that at a distance. Yeah. That's, you know, That's we're, right. We're on a lot, such a large we're, scale. We're, it's we're not the bombing or anything like that. Yeah. Or a tornado. Yeah, we're used to doing that hand in hand, and, and now we're having to do it at a distance, and that's, uh, that's, that's an adjustment. Oklahoma City and Tulsa and other school cities, excuse me, are closing some businesses to stop the spread of COVID-19. Mayors of Oklahoma's two largest cities are calling on all bars, restaurants, and entertainments to close doors. Some food establishments could stay open if they have a drive through delivery or curbside pickup. Ryan, do you think this will help, as they say, flatten the curve of this of this of this the virus? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think all of those steps, you know, if, if and when we we're going to learn so much out of this, this is, uh, you know, we're and unfortunately, uh, you know, for for many of us, this probably won't be the last time uh, that we have to deal with something like this as we live in a more global world with, uh, you know, with with pandemics like this probably, um, you know, occurring again in the future. And so we're, we're learning a lot about how to respond right now. And as we go back and, and think about the steps that we're taking, uh, including closing things like bars and restaurants uh, to, to take out only, you know, we probably would say that we should have done that even earlier. And uh, that's, again, it's an enormous hardship on those establishments. It's an enormous hardship, whether it's a bar or restaurant, you know, gyms, yoga studios, that's incredibly hard on them. But some of them may not survive if the government doesn't step up to help them recover at the, at the back end of this. But uh, people, as we saw, you know, walking into even Friday night and Saturday night, um, even as the world, if, especially if you're plugged into the news and, and on Twitter and, uh, and and watching this, knew that this was an issue and that we needed to be distancing ourselves. Bars were still full, restaurants were still full, and even some of our our top leaders weren't getting that message that being out in public was not uh, was not in the best interest of the public health. And so, uh, I think that. 
the only way to keep people from going to those places is to shut them down. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't shut them down, people are going to show up, whether that's because they're not taking this serious uh, or because uh, they think that, you know, they're young, so they're not going to hurt <laughs> anybody, but they don't appreciate that they could be spreading it to people that have immunodeficiencies or older folks that are more, are more vulnerable to the uh, to the, uh, the the more serious complications associated with COVID-19. If you don't shut it down, people are going to show up. This is the right move. Um, and I think that in, in the future, we'll be more prepared to have make those moves uh, even earlier. Aniva. Well, and, and you're right, Ryan. I mean, the, the, even this week, it was just Monday that the CDC issued the directive to the cities, basically saying if you have confirmed cases of uh, COVID-19 that you needed to move this direction. And I think uh, as the cities began to see this, began to see the seriousness uh, uh, on, um, uh, you know, earlier this week, I think it was 17 was the number at the beginning of the week. Uh, by Thursday, the number was 29. Uh, so, I mean, you're, as these, as these numbers grow, I think uh, the cities have moved um, fairly, fairly quickly. Um, and, and certainly these larger uh, cities, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Edmond, Norman, Stillwater. I mean, the ones where you have um, you have a lot of activity uh, out in the community and certainly where the uh, bars and restaurants were concerned specifically, uh, being able to being able to make this uh, state of emergency and being able to bring it down to uh, shutting these venues uh, as well as athletic gyms and exercise facilities, movie theaters, uh, the shopping malls. I mean, you you go on and on, but it it has done what was hoped for, I think, and intended, and that is reduced folks congregating in in large numbers and and uh, uh, dealing with uh, that aspect, which is clearly a significant factor in the proliferation of these numbers uh, of folks that uh, can, in fact, uh, uh, put themselves at risk of becoming uh, becoming infected. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think I think we'll see what beyond that has to be done, but uh, certainly um, it's it's an adjustment for everyone, and it, the economic impact, just like we've already talked about, is enormous. Uh, I mean, no one can put a price tag on that right now, but it is uh, it is something that we'll just see as the days go on what additional what additional things are um, uh, directed both nationally and uh, here in Oklahoma that are necessary to continue to you know, continue to try to, as you say, flatten the curve on this and uh, uh, put us in a place where we can, um, you know, see some see some positive uh, change in in the numbers and not just continuation in the numbers going up. And Ryan and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the ACLU, KOSU, its staff or management. Programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at KOSU.org.